and that day I was sitting in a chair and looked towards the sky I saw a shape of a man hanging on the cross and I know that story though I never believed that it's true and real and I saw the hand as if somebody zoomed a lens I saw the hand as clear as you see my hand and I saw the nail in his hand and the blood drop after drop falling down from the nail torn hand of the savior but as clear as you hear my voice today so clear was a man's audible voice in my language said son i did all this for you what will you do for me india is a great country with the great people but india is also very complicated because of our caste system and uh, india is a a birth place of many religions so according to the hindu religion there is a caste system so according to the caste system we are considered to be untouchables which means we are have to be away from all the communities so that coming from that background i grew up with hurt pain suffering two three days in a week normally there was no food in my house that's very normal with that it has been very hard i never felt loved i never felt accepted basically i was treated like worse than an animal and in india you know people are good great i am proud to be an indian but also we have some customs in indian society where animals like cows are respected treated so much but friends as i was growing up what i experienced just i was treated like a worse than an animal so it was very difficult growing up hard life and my dad was the only christian in all our community which is an untouchable community he heard the gospel through a baptist missionary from canada a white man and uh, all the four siblings before i was born or they were all brought up in hinduism born in hinduism they were named after the hindu gods but when i was born my dad was the only christian my not my mom not my family and he gave me the name which i still carry yesu padam which means jesus foot and i basically grew up with that name never tried to change it i hated it when i was going through all the hurts paid even because of that name but i never could able to say but my dad was a very prayerful man very honest man he was poor he was very honest and he told me all the time son jesus loves you he died for you and you must serve him and he told me that that's why he gave me the name yesu padam trace i should be the foot of jesus walking in the streets of india proclaiming this glorious gospel but when i was growing up by then actually before i was born when my dad was a christian he was excommunicated from his own community that to me hard to understand they were already excommunicated as untouchables now dad was excommunicated by the untouchable community because he became a christian he was beaten up he showed me the scars on his face on his body and then actually i realized what he went through but he never gave up on jesus when i look back and see with my dad's life it was not in another religion for my dad it was the reality of living jesus changed his life forever so he never wanted to give up on jesus so after that many people accepted jesus 
by watching his life, even those who excommunicated him. So my dad started a small Baptist church in our untouchable community. Me basically grew up in a church. I learned how to pray. I learned how to you know, read the Bible stories. My dad was not educated, but he knows Jesus personally to the point he could be able to talk to people who Jesus is. But you know, friends, it's Jesus who has the power to change lives. So as a normal Christian boy, I grew up in the church, but when I was 10, I was going to the school walking because we were not allowed to go to any other school. There's another good school, but it's in the high caste community. We were not allowed to go. So the Baptist came and started a small school in our community just for untouchable children. So I was studied up to sixth class there, fifth actually, and the sixth is in the high school, I have to walk almost half a mile. And I used to take, I mean, literally at least two hours to walk the distance because it's too far. I could not walk at a stretch. I was so weak. I had to walk a little bit, sit there, and then get up and walk a little bit and sit there. But one day, that was 1962, I don't remember the month, I was walking to the school. I could not walk. I was so weak that day, I fainted in the middle of the road, almost dying. And God sent an, another missionary, a Baptist missionary, who is still alive. He's retired, who is in Nova Scotia, Canada, Reverend McNally. He was going on a jeep with his family. He saw me like a dead boy in the middle of the road. But he saw me, he did not pass me by. He stopped to find out that I was not dead, I was still breathing. I was unconscious, but I was breathing. This white man touched this untouchable kid and carried me in his hands, drove me to a hospital, which the Baptist established, and then kept me two weeks, brought me back home and left me to, with my parents. The amazing story is he never knew my family before. He is like a clear, good Samaritan. I was healthy, but nothing changed in my life, in my family. Then I started thinking the words my dad was telling me, son, Jesus loves you. I started thinking if he really loves me, why no food? Why no clothing? Why no house? I, I tried to, I mean, even at that small age, I started reasoning the reason to prove that somebody loves me. And then at the same time around, I was 11 years old, a communist man came to me who is still alive. And he came to me and said, hey, there is no caste system in communism. There is no rich and poor difference in communism. He said, if you become a communist, we shall all be called comrades, which means we can fight for our rights. And he also told me personally, because I was a smart guy, even though I was a boy studying good. And he said, you can give hope to your untouchable community. That touched me. If I can help my community, and I took a blade, cut my finger, I wrote my name on a piece of white paper with my blood, making a blood covenant to be a lifetime communist. I just wanted to be treated as a human being. I just wanted to be loved and accepted. That's all. I wanted that time. Mm. And then I didn't want my people to suffer the way they were suffering. So I made a blood covenant to bring a social revolution in the nation of India to give hope to my untouchable community. And I was studying, I was doing good, very good in the education. I wanted to be a doctor to help my community. And then in between, when I was 16, my mom, man, my mom, moms, thank you. 
most of the moms are loving they love their children my mom loved me so much that mom was sick with a swollen left knee and painful my dad has no money even for transportation to take her to the hospital and it's still today in india if you don't have a money you cannot go see a doctor so i heard my mom crying day and night with pain then i saw my mom died in my heart that was the hardest thing in my life i was so upset i was so angry i could not see tomorrow i saw no hope without my mom my mom loved me so much and she was everything to me when she died i didn't know what to do i tried sincerely to kill myself two times but i will look back and see why god kept me i was not supposed to be alive but the poison i took one time and i jumped into a river though i didn't know the swimming and I, you know it, even i look back in you know what happened actually there was a buffalo water buffalo that was in the water that came to me and not knowing the swimming i hold its tail and he brought me to the side when i think of that how that could be accidental and then friends actually the communists came to me again and they said man you need to fight you need to fight for your rights and uh, i involved in gangs how oh, man i saw blood of many people i didn't know what to do i felt hurt became anger bitterness revenge and i cut the people and i don't know if i can even say that live on this but i saw the blood of many and a couple of dead bodies and i was happy doing that because i was thought i was taking revenge i'm doing the right thing who killed my mom and so friends that's how i wanted to live the rest of my life and i completed high school i went to the college and when i went to college i could my parents my only my dad was alive then my dad could not pay my examination fees to write the examination and the college did not allow me to write the examination i failed and i didn't know what to do but except involving in the gangs and you know all that communist activities then the same missionary came to know about me that i stopped education and that man wrote me a small letter that day to come and see him i went there and i met him and he talked to me about the laboratory technician training that's available in one of the best christian hospitals in india they say christian medical college and hospital velour and he paid for me all the money to go to the school and i studied that and i was number 2 in india that year with my studies and they asked me to work for 2 years for them in their christian hospital though i was not a christian he was still helping me that that to me now mind boggling to think of that what he has seen my future how he helped me so i joined there in their one of their hospitals i was working there they tried to speak into my life the christianity dr whining who was a canadian medical doctor and mr roser who was a nursing superintendent they tried to speak into my life i was a hard worker but i was not doing it for god at all i was still drinking and involved in the gangs and uh, communist ideology and by god's grace i got a government job i was married when i was in pitapuram cmc pitapuram christian hospital and i was blessed with two children that's a different story difficult life and my wife within one year of my marriage tried to commit suicide two times because i was never home and uh, i was always drinking and gambling and with the friends and 
communist activities and uh, she never said to anybody but uh, she was an amazing woman she was a christian she had a christian background and i don't know why she married me but uh, she married me and all that so we i got a government job i was desperately waiting for the leave that christian institution because they were putting so much pressure on me even one time actually they tried to put pressure on me to the point i was so upset i said if you talk to me again about that jesus i will see your end this was my comments to one of the missionaries canadian baptist missionaries miss ricketts she must be still alive so i threatened her i'm i'm okay working because you helped me but don't talk to him about religion and so that was my intent i never believed religion is true what i have seen in my life with many religions in india it's a man made thing there's no god in it i thought christianity is also one of those religions to exploit the people that's all i know so i i got a government job that's a a federal government job excellent salary and i i moved to visakhapatnam in 1975 1976 january 26 around 1 130 the noon time is the life changing encounter which i never believed that's true story which i never thought it was real i even read bible to prove bible is wrong to convert some of our untouchable youth christian youth to be the communists i was successful for some extent and to train them for the gangs but this day the day they can never forget the day that changed my life forever i'm not talking about religion friends that was a public holiday for all the office that was the republic day of india and that day i was sitting in a chair and looked towards the sky very far in the sky i saw a shape of a man hanging on the cross and i know that story though i never believed that is true and real i didn't see his face i don't know if he had a long hair or a long beard no i didn't see that at all but it was very clear to me the shape of a man hanging on the cross when i saw that immediately i thought it could be jesus because i heard the story i read the bible my dad told me again and again and again and again though i never believed it i know the story then my communist brain immediately started think telling me that's your imagination that's not real what you are watching but my eyes were arguing with my communist brain that's real so between these uh, arguments between my eyes and my brain man that's totally disappeared and i saw the hand as if somebody zoomed a lens i saw the hand yes clearly as you see my hand if you ask me if i saw the five fingers i say yes i saw five fingers of this man's hand and i saw the nail in his hand and a blood drop after drop falling down from the nail thorn hand of the savior i was shocked first time i was so shocked about god and the reality it just disappeared up I and mean, i wanted to see that but it disappeared but as clear as you hear my voice today so clear what was a man's audible voice in my language he didn't call me an alcoholic he didn't call me a gang leader he didn't call me a murderer he didn't call me a man of problem but he called me son he said son 
I did all this for you. What will you do for me? That word son broke my heart. This rock finally broken. And my tears started rolling down from my eyes. It was almost like somebody stabbed into my heart and pulled it. I totally broke. I couldn't control myself. When I was sitting there crying like a baby because of the conviction of the sin came over me. There were two things, my friends, that were so clear to me. God reminded me my dad's words. I was basically hearing his words again, sitting there, going through all these motions. Son, Jesus loves you. He died for you. You must serve him. I was like, man, I heard them long time ago. I wish I should have obeyed them then. Would have avoided all this difficult time in my life. And the second thing was what the missionary McNally did for me. And when that came to my remembrance, I was thinking about that inside of me. <coughs> There was a voice inside of me telling me, that's God's law. That's God's law. So my dad's words, God loves you, it's like an answer to me what the missionary has done for me. That's God's law. Oh boy, that day, I don't know how long I was sitting there crying. And finally, to make the long story short, the words came out of my mouth. I did not plan. I didn't say. And it's like a spontaneously, the words that came out of mouth was like, God, you are real. God, you exist. It's not like no God. And Jesus, that's you. You showed him yourself to me. And you showed me the nail. You showed me the blood drops coming down. And Jesus, you spoke to me. And you are real. And I remember saying these words. Lord, I don't know how long I live in this world. Because my life was also in threat those days. Not being Christian because of the gangs. And I said, I don't know how long I live in this world. But till the last breath of my life. I will believe in you and I will tell my people that you are God. As these things going through my mind and my heart, I'm like, man, look at my country, my people. They are amazing people. They all want God. But because they don't know the true and living God, they're all worshiping these idols. And I need to go and tell them there is a true God who's living, who showed himself to me alive now. Friends, I didn't think of going to the church. I didn't think of going to the pastor. No, I went to the street corner, clapping and calling people because I realized that with anger and bitterness, you cannot achieve anything. But this man, Jesus, with the love, he won the whole world. So with the love, that word love has dominated me. And I went there and I was calling people and telling them, it's all done, same day. Not after 10 days, one week, no. Immediately got up from there went to the street corner, calling people and telling them that Jesus is real, Jesus is God, believe in Jesus. Literally, all my friends and the people who know me thought I lost my mind. Some of my friends tried to take me to a doctor. They tried to take me, push me to the psychiatrician. And I told them, friends, I know, thank you for your concern. But I know what happened. It is 47 long years of walking with Jesus, talking 
with Jesus. Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. Every day with Jesus I love him more and more. I don't know how to explain you guys. This life with Jesus, man, it made sense of my life. All the difficulties, pains, suffering. There are so many in this world. I'm glad I went through all that, which helps me to understand what people are going through in their lives. And then I started sharing this love of Jesus, what Christ has done on the cross. And then I started when I was reading the Bible, I, I read the the Good Samaritan story, and then the, the Bible says, like Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. And my desire was not the Christian religion, it's the Christ. So I thought I must show this Jesus, not only in word, but in deed, like the missionary showed me. That to me, amazing example of sharing the love of Heavenly Father to the dying world through His Son, Jesus Christ. And friends, you would not believe. I couldn't sleep in the night. I was like, I'm, I was working for the government and that rest of the time is going to the street, talking to the people and the Bible became a part of my life. Man, I used to sleep with the Bible on my chest. I don't know, just reading and sleeping and I could not, I thought I could not live without that little book there. The Lord started speaking to me and helping me how to grow. God gave me an amazing fellowship with the Christians called Upper Room Prayer and Evangelistic Fellowship. And they took me under their wings and they trained me, they helped me in every way that they could by the grace of God. I'm so thankful for the Christian leaders who take people like me. I was 23 and a half when I met Jesus. Now I am 70. So all these years, those trained me. Thankful. Thankful for the matured fathers in Christ who take young people like us to establish on Christ, the solid rock. It's not just an emotional feeling. It's like a reality of a relationship with Jesus. And then they helped me to grow into Jesus. And friends, then Jesus became number one in my life. Nothing else matters. And uh, working, but going to places and uh, then it is not easy in a country like India when you want it to be a confrontational preacher. If you say Jesus is one of gods in India, no problem, friends. But that's not what I experienced. That's not what my Bible taught me. My Bible said, and my experience, Jesus Christ is the Lord of all. There is no other name under heaven given except the name of Jesus when people shall be saved. So when you tell this little gospel to the people, sometimes you face angry mobs. I was in a village sharing the same thing. And a group of young men came to me and said, don't tell us, we, this is a foreign religion and we don't want to hear it. I was trying to explain them. Unfortunately, many Indians think it's a white man's religion. They see Jesus as a white man, especially American religion. I was trying to explain them honestly. I said 350 years ago, basically, there was no America on the globe. But Jesus exists from the beginning of the world. And I was telling them, Basically, I said, Jesus is an Asian God, not a Western God, because he was born in Jerusalem, which is a part of Middle East. It's close to Asia. I thought I was explaining them 
but I didn't realize I was making them mad. And then they said, would you stop it or you want us to beat you? I did not really believe they will beat me. I said, you know, I was continuing talking to them about Jesus, what Jesus did for me. I watched them bending down and picking up the rocks. I still didn't believe, honestly, they will hit me with the rocks. Then one guy threw the rock, tap, 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 tap. Rocks started hitting all over my body from head to, I don't know. I don't remember where they hit, but it was hitting and hitting and hitting. I was standing there. I could not even run anywhere. My forehead was hurting more. And I touched my head, forehead, and I saw there was a red blood. Blood was not new to me, friends. I saw the blood of many people. But this blood is my blood for my Jesus who gave all his blood to me. When that thought hit my mind and my heart, there was a joy inside of me to the point I was smiling outside, though it was painful, hurting. Actually, that day, I broke my head. This, my bones were broken here, not only head. So there was a visible joy, and I showed them the blood, and I told them, I'm not angry with you. I love you because Jesus loves you. Nobody accepted the Lord that day, but I had to go back home, and I put the bandages everywhere, like a, well, the bones were broken, and I had six stitches here. I'm honored to have this car on my head. This is for Jesus, man, who was wounded. And, and so that was amazing experience to me. Then two, three weeks later, I don't remember now exactly, that happened actually in 1977, one year after I met Jesus and I was saved. So a group of men came to my house looking for me. And uh, first thing they said, they knocked on the door. I came out and they said, sir, do you remember us? I said, who are you? I really don't remember them. First time I went to that village to share the gospel. And I, they said, we are the people that hit you with the rocks when you came to our village. And the thought in my mind was, when I went there, they broke my head and bones. Now they came to my house. Why did they come? Did they want to kill me or what? And, and so... I was a little concerned, honestly, what was happening. And then they said, sir, we did not understand everything we told us. But one thing we could not forget. We stoned you for nothing. You showed us your blood from your broken head and said you still love us because Jesus loves us. They said that was not leaving us. And then God, Jesus, showed himself alive to some of our people in our village. And 75% of that Hindu village gave their hearts to the Lord. And they came to invite me back to their village to build a church for them. And by uh, God's grace, the people who stoned me are the elders of that church. And we built a church there. There's a still church there. <coughs> that was the beginning of my walk with the Lord. That was a good beginning. And I realized, friends, the only reason God kept me alive from the malnutrition, from falling and fainting on the streets, from taking poison and jumping in the water river to kill myself, it made sense to me why God kept me alive. He put so much love in my heart for my people. Again, India is a great country, great people. I am proud to be an Indian, one of the greatest mission fields in the whole world for the gospel. One-fifth of the world population lives in my country. 
and millions still never heard the name of Jesus even once in their lives. So what a privilege for me as a Christian, an Indian Christian. So I was going everywhere and in 1979, actually, God showed me that I should go to Iraq where Saddam Hussein, then Saddam Hussein was the president for the gospel because I cannot go there as a missionary. I went there to work for their government, by their health department. And that was the time Saddam Hussein was preparing for a war with Iran. So he wanted all his men to be in the army. So he recruited people from other countries, like from India, to work for the medical department so that their men can go into the war. That's how God, the Lord took me there. I was there three years, eight months. And I was there two years, eight months during the war. And the Lord kept me in a very safe place, safest place, that is Karbala. Karbala is the most Muslim religious place, more close to the Iranians, that's the, that's the Shias. And they did not attack that city. So God kept me in that city working for a hospital there. And I was serving there, but I also started sharing the gospel. By the time I left Iraq, I started three underground churches. One in Karbala, which is the most religious Hindu Muslim place. And then Babylon, you read Babylon in the Bible. I was only one hour drive from the place. And I had a privilege of starting a church in Babylon. I walked in all those areas where Abraham was born and brought up. The Ur is in Iraq. And then Hindiya, another town. We are having services there, but not on Sundays. Sunday is a working day, but on Fridays. So we used to have the online prayers and uh, came back home after a successful God-protected, God-saved many people there, came back to India to find out my wife had a cancer. Friends, you know, you would think like uh, there will be no hardships serving Jesus. You would think like there will be no difficulties. Friends, my experience Walking with Jesus, yes, it's exciting. Walking with Jesus is wonderful, but not without cross. I understood in my first walk with the Lord, when I gave my heart to the Lord, that I have to deny myself, take up the cross and follow me. Though that was my first overseas travel in 79, I traveled to Iraq, Syria, Jordan, and even to Kuwait to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Came back in 83, found out that my wife had a cancer. That was not easy. People would think like, why? I'm glad I went through that, which helped me again to understand what people go through, the pain, the suffering. I did everything I could do medically. I was also financially well by then. God blessed me in Iraq financially, not only spiritually, to share the gospel there. The lady who was supposed to live just one month, doctor said maximum three months. She lived for 11 years. But the grace of God, hard time but never gave up on Jesus. She always was with me. It affected her spinal, many bones, started with breast cancer. She could not get up, bedridden totally. One time they declared she was dead in the hospital, but after eight minutes, she came back to life. She knows she was dead. That's in the book, but it's a miracle. It's a recorded evidence that she was dead, declared dead, and came back to life. And she was even telling me, 
did you see me going up? I said, what do you mean? I said, I died. I was going up. And I went to the place where I saw glorious presence of God. And then I, she said, I, talk, I wanted to talk to Jesus. I called him two times. Jesus, Jesus. She said, I didn't see him there, but I know I was coming down. And I came down. And you are sitting here. She got up from the bed in the hospital still, in an extensive care unit. And she jumped out of the bed. The woman who could never able to move, her spinal was affected. Then the doctors and the nurses saw her. She was sitting and standing. She said, no more cancer. I'm healed. And the doctors came and what's happening? She said, doctor, no more cancer. Jesus healed me. That's an amazing story. I was watching all that happening. And then she lived for 11 more years. I was so thankful. She stood with me. Her life, she always told me, our life is for Jesus, not for us. There are so many details, friends, but I cannot explain to you that since I met Jesus, my only desire was to please my Jesus because I understood his love. I understood his love for me and I just wanted to love him with all my heart. Nothing matters to me in life. And then after four years, amazingly, the Lord brought an amazing person into my life. We have been married. She has been living in India for 26 long years. We are white, another Canadian. My dad was saved through a Canadian missionary. I was saved physically by a Canadian missionary. And God brought another white Canadian missionary. Who would think that a man like me, an untouchable boy, they don't even touch me to throw me in a garbage. I was For God, I was not a garbage. I was precious. I was important to Him. And He brought me a white girl to an untouchable boy. Man, who would understand? How can you grasp it? It's mind boggling. Who tells me my ministry is you? My ministry is not India. My ministry is not street. My ministry is serving my husband. And if I'm alive today, if I'm healthy today, if I'm continuing in the work of the Lord today, it's because of God's faithfulness and God bringing right people into my life. That was my wife. And she became a mother to my older kiddies and a mother of our own children. We had two of them and, uh, and we have five grandchildren for our first uh, kiddies. And this is an amazing walk with the Lord, friends. I don't know, I can, I can never stop talking about Jesus, man. Then the Lord showed me a vision of two hands holding the globe in 1988, August 1st. And the English word across the globe is Jesus cares. Underneath the hands is five countries. I read it in English. USA, Canada, Sweden, South Africa, West Germany. Germany was not united that time. I never thought that I would travel to countries like that. I thought God was showing me just to pray. Primarily my heart was not for the nations, for India. India. My heart beats for India. My heart cry for India. It's a precious country. God sent Thomas, one of his twelve, to India. He showed the star to the Indians, the wise men from the East, the historians, right? They could be from India also. So this, uh, I love my people, but I also wanted to obedient to God. 
So amazingly, this love and care ministries, it's love came from Jesus. Instead of Jesus, I put love because God is love, Jesus is love. We in India, we say registered this organization as love and care ministries instead of Jesus cares. And uh, incorporated with the, uh, the government of Andhra Pradesh and started with two de- desires, reaching the unreached and making disciples to preach the gospel. Friends, you would not believe by God's grace, we preach to millions of the people, unreached people groups that live on the mountains. They still don't have a Bible to their language. They speak different dialects, but they are people like us, created in the image of God. Jesus died for them also. Many people don't go there because it's very, very risky with the malaria, so many diseases, wild animals like a tigers, bears. People ask me, have you ever seen them? Oh, yeah, but uh, not really too close, but we are still alive. We have seen the people who are bleeding on the road, attacked by the bears in the night, helped them and uh, by God's grace, uh, since 1988 and 1990, officially incorporated as care Ministries. And you would not believe we planted over 10,000 churches since then, since 1990, and preached to millions of people while doing huge crusades, like 30,000, 50,000 people each night preaching gospel with the big sound systems and on the streets and a big ground, going to villages at the same time and planting churches, preaching gospel and started a hospital and to help moms like my mom with a 25-bedded hospital, training nurses. You know, I know as a medical man how powerful are the medical missions and uh, then working with the young adults, polio affected. Polio is still very bad in India. Most of the time they beg on the streets and I bring them and I train them in computers. I train them in printing press and tailoring to make them self-supportive. We train, man, thousands of them since 2004. Every year, 12 months training. And they are very self-supportive, working for the government and and then actually taking care of the children. I was in America in 88, one time. I was invited for a Bible study, small Bible study group in a small Baptist church in Bennington, Vermont. Dr. David Juno uh, was the pastor of the church and uh, they invited me on Tuesday, I believe, Bible study evening for one hour. And I went there, I was talking, it went up to midnight. The reason was they were asking me so many questions about India and at the end they said, hey, we saw the videos of Compassion International and we saw so many children suffering. Would you please find some children for us? We want to help them. Can you take care of them for me? And my thinking until then was, it's a social work and I don't want to involve in the social work. I want to preach gospel. I want to see people saved. I want to plant churches. I thought that was spiritual. And I said, no, I don't do that social work. They said, at least would you pray? I said, no, I'm not interested in that and I'm not going to do. And they said, at least would you pray? I said, no. Then the next Tuesday also they invited. There's a Friday in between. And I was in my friend's house in his living room, sitting there, and suddenly such a heavy burden came over me. I had no problems, nothing absolutely. I was sitting and with a Bible by my side, there was a heaviness in what I could just cry. Crying, I didn't know what was happening. I knelt down. Then I heard an audible voice, the word, Bethany, and then it echoed, Bethany, 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 Bethany. I I know that name, it's in the Bible. That's the name of a village where Lazarus, Mary, Martha, they lived there. And I was looking 
for any meaning i know there was nobody in the house except me and i know it was god who spoke to me and i opened the bible the bible name is the open bible the name itself is the open is the study bible it's like a scopelian iv a open bible it should be still there if you open that bible today in the beginning they gave the meanings for the words and i was looking if there is any sense what is that yes sure enough there's a word bethany there and the meaning they gave there in that open bible is house of poverty and i thought god was talking to me about the spiritual poverty of the people in india and i was like lord save my people save my people sir i was crying out for a spiritual revival in india there <clears throat> then friends you not believe something that happened in my life when i was a small child god brought that to my remembrance i would have never remembered that i don't know how old i was i was watching a man eating a banana my dad my parents could never able to buy us fruits i was expecting a small piece of that just one bit little bit of it he was eating piece after piece i was watching him expecting he will give me the next piece but he ate the last piece also you know what he did he threw the skin of the banana and i ran after that from those dirty streets of india i took the took it i ate that i was happy the lord reminded me i was watching that again alive like on the screen that's where i realized god was talking to me about the suffering children in india like i suffer man it was not easy for me to change my thinking of that social work thing and it was very clear to me the lord wanted me to take care of those children i went there next tuesday they were asking me what happened what do you want i'm like silent i was not saying anything in spite of all that god showed me and i said what do you think some of them said we really believe it is god and i told them what happened there are 17 people there wanted to support 17 children and then we found 25 ch- i was not even in india I was in there america i called our friends here my wife and and i told them find 17 children they found 25 children started bethany children home that's where bethany started <coughs> Bethany Children Home and I used to go there during their lunch dinner time looking f- from a rented building through the window from outside where they cannot see me a r- plate with a rice in that and a curry and a water glass steel water glass steel plate smile on the faces of the children I used to cry standing outside the building just to watch those children at that age i was looking for somebody to give me some food but to make the long story short we started actually three of them in different locations in one location where we have our headquarters so far we took care of more than 5000 children children with no parents children with a single parent and many of them are doctors engineers professors and also several of them are in many nations including america and god has enabled us all those children would have never gone to school in their life even might have died on the street with starvation but now they are in many nations and all the children that come to us get up at 5 o'clock in the morning every day from age 3 to whatever get up at 5 o'clock for one hour prayer time god brought them to me to be the prayer warriors for all the work god gave me to do 
It's not easy, friends. Several threats are my life. One time, I cannot forget that. Bethany Benjamin, my children that I had with Monica, were smaller. I don't remember the age. My wife is good with the ages. I got a letter and a phone call in January that they were going to kill me, my wife, my two children, Bethany Benjamin, three different ways. Putting the bomb in my house and blasting it, then pouring the gasoline and burning us alive, or making it as an accident when I'm traveling in the car. Man, I was ready for anything. That one time I realized that I was not ready for Jesus for some things in my life. I was not ready for my wife and for my small little innocent children to be killed that way. I came to my wife. I said, babe, take the kids and go to Canada. She was trying to ask me why, 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 why. I didn't want to tell her. But I had to tell her because she was so consistent. And I told her what happened. I'm so proud of my wife, the white Canadian girl who never knew violence in her life. And she said, I married you to live with you. She said, basically, if you live, let's live together. If we die, let's die together. Thank God for my godly wife who married me knowing it was God's will to go through everything that I was going through, carrying that heavy load on her shoulder in prayer with the tears. Friends, then God took me around the world. We started Love and Care Ministries branches in America, in Canada, in African countries, and in Europe, in Germany, Switzerland, and Romania. To make the long story short, everything the globe God showed me, He took me around the globe. And to be a blessing to many people, training people, reaching unreached, making disciples by word and by deed. And that's been my life all these years. I'm so amazed what Jesus can do in our lives, through our lives. Yes, Uparam, who is Jesus to you? He's not just my Lord, my Savior. He's my friend. He's with me all the time. He's for me all the time. When I read, there's no greater friend than the friend that laid down his life for his friend. Like David said, even if I go through the valley of shadow of death, I fear no evil because thou art with me. That's how I feel him. He's my friend who is always with me, for me, respect of whatever I go through. For the people who are watching your testimony right now and feel unreached, uh, maybe feel like they can't trust Jesus, what can you say to those people who question if Jesus is the real God? I totally understand where they're coming from because that was me like that. I never, never understood, would have never believed but for Jesus. Jesus, my friends, is real. He's true. It's not story. It's real. If you need a best friend, in this dying world, that's Jesus and Jesus alone. In respect of what your mind says, what your reasoning says, I encourage you, my friend, because I understand 
that was me i went through the beast jesus beyond any shadow of doubt jesus is real jesus is true jesus is alive he still reveals himself he still changes people like me he transforms life and he loves you forever and ever and ever now could you share a word of encouragement in telugu ayana laanti varu inkokaru lene leru yesu prabhu nijamaina devudu yesu prabhu popula vimochakudu yesu prabhu neeku sneetiniga undevadu ayana ninnu premisthunadu neekoraku pranam pettadu neekoraku raktham kaarchadu ayana nalamukunte paralokaraku velta ayana okkade paralokaraku margamu Yes, Upar, any last words for people who are watching your testimony right now? The only thing I can say, my friends, Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life. All may change, but Jesus never changes. Trust in that Jesus, unchanging Jesus. Lay down your life totally, unconditionally. lay down at the altar unfortunately sometimes we have still some of hours and we say i like that jesus i like that jesus now what jesus likes is the most important part and what i learned in my life is laying down my life whatever it takes whatever it costs in respect of the consequences but he is well able to take us through and to use us for his glory for his purposes that's all i can say god bless you and thank you for listening